Please pray with me. Lord, you've given us 66 books, which together make one book, a book which most of us have looked at, tried to learn from for many years, but a look, book which is filled with so much truth that we know we will never get it all in this life. Thank you for the truth of the Bible. And thank you for the centrality of the Lord Jesus Christ in that truth. This morning, as we look at just a few verses, may those verses leap out into our lives. May they be reminders and challenges and verses that tell us that we indeed are your people living for you in this day and in the days ahead. Hear us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture reading is from the book of Romans, three long verses, Romans 12, 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. For almost a year now, we've had spiritual gifts as one of our themes in the life of Faith Church. The topic is important enough that it's talked about in four passages in the New Testament. The Romans passage that we've just read, over in 1 Corinthians in a lot more detail, in Ephesians and in 1 Peter. We're gonna look just at the Romans verses for the next few minutes because here God has chosen to give us important directions about identifying and using our spiritual gifts. First thing though I want us to learn from the passage is that each member of the church is given different gifts. So that means you have at least one. And it's also common for Christians to have more than one. In the book of Acts, for example, there's a man named Philip, not real prominent in Acts, but he was one of the original seven deacons. And in the fairly brief description of Deacon Philip, it's easy to identify in him a gift of service, a gift of healing, and a gift of miracles. Now, 
we don't all have the same gifts. There's a beautiful variety among us. There's a great arrangement that's put together not by us, but by God. And so part of what we need to learn is that we need one another. When I'm, when I'm weak in one area, then I need you who are strong where I am weak. Now, in Romans, seven gifts are listed. But if you take all the passages and you just try to make a long list of everything that's mentioned, you're going to come up with somewhere close to 19. But the lists seem to be open-ended. I don't think it's that there are 19, no less, no more. Those who've thought about this a lot have come up with several other things that seem to them to be spiritual gifts. You can think about that. Hospitality, celibacy, voluntary poverty. One you probably don't want, martyrdom, being a missionary, gift of intercession, one we've not had much experience with in this church, exorcism, craftsmanship is listed as a gift in the Old Testament there in Exodus. And the Christian Reform Study Guide on this topic adds creative ability to the list. So 19, but probably several more. And my point is that we experience a rich diversity that has been wisely designed by God so that we can work together and we can serve one another. Now, don't miss in what we just read here in Romans 12 that all these gifts are by grace. And Paul's doing a play on words in the verse. He says we all have charisma, gifts, according to the charis, grace, given to us. So it's two forms of the same word, charisma gifts, charis, grace. Strong way of saying that gifts are not earned, they're not rewards for good behavior, they're freely distributed, and they're received by us as gifts apart from any merit on our part. So we don't look around for some clue about why you have a particular gift. That's the first thing. Second thing for us to learn from this passage is that each member of the church is encouraged to use his gifts to the fullest. Each one of the things, uh, each of these seven has an observation about it. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Oh, if your gift is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. 
If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, I'm going to pause to talk a bit about the difference between a role, R-O-L-E, and a gift. In this list, we have seven gifts. You may look at the list, and maybe you identify with two out of the seven, or, or one, or none. That's okay. But if you identify with none, that doesn't mean you can just ignore the list. If I don't have the gift of giving, it doesn't mean that I can be a Christian who doesn't give at all. These are all seven things that are good for all of us, but only some will have a special ability in relation to some one thing on the list. Now, for example, I've learned in the past year that a lot of people in this church identify with the gift of giving. It's a private kind of gift. You don't, you don't say, I have the gift of giving, probably. But we all have a role in relation to these gifts, like giving. But only some of us will have a special ability. So let's look at the seven things individually. The first thing on the list is prophecy. Now, there are very few people in this church who have put up their hand and said, I have a gift of prophecy. That's just not one that folks here identify with. Sometimes in the New Testament, as you read about it, it's talking about a direct revelation from God. God somehow speaks to me and through me to people. I don't identify with that definition at all. But at other times in the New Testament, prophecy seems to have a, a broad definition of declaring truth. Okay, I identify with that, right? I hope you do too, that you have a role in declaring truth to people around you. We can all do that kind of prophecy. If you look for examples in the Old Testament, well, there's Joel. He anticipated that you and I would declare prophetic words. I know that because the apostle Peter quoted Joel in his sermon on the day of Pentecost. Here's what he said. In the last, this is Peter speaking. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I said, Peter said it. Well, Joel said it first. Peter is just quoting Joel, putting it in his sermon, putting it out there for those thousands of people to hear, putting it out there for us to hear today. When the Holy Spirit comes in the last days, which started at Pentecost, one of the things the Spirit does, 
is enabled the sons and daughters to prophesy. Well, did it happen? Read through the rest of the book of Acts, and you'll find that Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven, here's what it says about him. Leaving the next day, Luke says, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. And then this observation. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. That's all we know about them. Four unmarried women who had the gift of prophecy. So it's a gift, a highly desirable and useful gift. It's mentioned multiple times in Corinthians when Paul talks about it there. Now, that's the first one. The second one is service. So in the Romans list, Paul goes from prophecy to service. That's a very broad idea. Uh, the Greek word is just the word dika, diakonos. So when we think of deacons, we think of people who serve. And we especially look for this gift when we're selecting deacons here at church. But lots of people who are not deacons also have the same gift. In Acts 6, it's the gift, and just a minute, I have to turn a page here. In Acts 6, it's the gift of people who are waiting on tables. Nothing very spectacular. It just said, these people waited on tables. Well, it was important. In Romans 16, there's a particular woman named Phoebe who was singled out by Paul. Here's what Paul said. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sincre. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. So here's Phoebe, a woman with a strong gift of service that she used in that church. Now, gift of service doesn't need any kind of spectacular definition. It, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the gift of helps. That's probably the same thing. Christian Reform Study Guide beautifully describes this gift as to take a burden on oneself instead of leaving it on another. You go to a church supper and you realize there are people who came early to set up, there are people who are serving during the meal, there are people who stick around to clean up. That's all service, nothing spectacular, very important. And there must be hundreds of ways to express this gift. My own hunch is that of all the spiritual gifts, the most common one is the gift of service. That's two. 
Number three is teaching. It's also listed in Ephesians 4. It's listed in 1 Corinthians 12. And the Christian Reformed definition is the ability to communicate knowledge to others for the purpose of upbuilding. Teaching. Telling people things so that they can be strengthened. Now, I identify with that gift. It can happen in a classroom. It can happen in a family setting. It can happen among friends. Really don't need to say much about it. The next one, the fourth gift, is the gift of encouragement. Here you need to think of someone who stands alongside to help. Here are some synonyms for this gift. Comfort, console, entreat, implore, counsel. One writer said you can use this gift to strengthen the weak, reassure the wavering, buttress the buffeted, steady the faltering, console the troubled, Encourage the halting. Last Sunday morning, I went to get my coffee and Katie Oldenberger was serving. By Sunday afternoon, her life had changed dramatically. She then spent four or five days in the hospital this week. She seems to be recovering nicely at home now. Her husband said to me this morning something like this. Faith Church has been wonderful this week. Well, maybe there was some gift of service in there. I don't know. But I'll bet it was primarily the gift of encouraging, just offering a word of support to a family that was under stress this past week. Barnabas is the person in the New Testament that you think of. His name means son of encouragement. If you read the Bible references to Barnabas, and you will see him practicing this, being the encourager. Now, there's a place for all of us to have a role of encouraging people, but some of us major in this activity, and we thank God for you. Number five, gift of giving. Here again, all of us have a role, but some are especially gifted. Mostly goes unnoticed. In faith church, it's a gift of great importance. Number six, leadership. In the list in 1 Corinthians, it's called the gift of government or the gift of ruling. One scholar described it as the motivation to coordinate the activities of others for the achievement of common goals. So somebody who can rally the troops, figure out how they can work together, motivate them, oversee the process so that things get done. Any one of us might have that gift. It's, there are a lot of settings where it's needed. You think of the family or the church or other life activities. New Testament seems to associate this gift particularly with elders. 
1 Thessalonians speaks of elders and call them those who are over you. Literally, it means taking the lead of you. In 1 Timothy, where elders and deacons are described, it's applied to both. Okay, the last gift, the seventh one, showing mercy. I think there's a contrast between serving and showing mercy. The one who's serving wants to get things done. The people at the church supper afterwards are just seeing if they can get everything put back in place. Let's get the job done. In contrast to that, the one who is showing mercy is much more concerned with identifying with the hurting person. I don't particularly identify with this gift, but I do admire those who have it. I like what one writer said about this. He said, it's the ability to work joyfully with those whom the majority ignores. You probably know someone who has this gift. Our text says that if you have this gift, you need to use it cheerfully. Okay, we've looked at the list of seven gifts. You have one of the seven? Maybe, maybe not. Do you have two of them? Maybe. If you have a gift on this list, you need to use it to the fullest. And I would say the same thing about the list in Corinthians and the list in Ephesians. So I conclude by reading our passage one more time. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that these are not verses that are very difficult to understand. That once we've read them a couple of times, we understand them, and we're grateful that we have them in the life of the church. Help us as we think through about our own place in the church, our place in the body, and how we can contribute, and also how we can receive. So apply these verses to us in this coming week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.